Hello there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the crossword for the week of June 19th, 2017. We've got a really excellent episode coming up for you guys. We're going to talk about Ivan Reitman at the E3 Expo, talking about virtual reality and the storytelling opportunities that it provides. We've also got a little bit of Ghostbusters Day recap. We're going to talk Ghostbusters International. We're going to talk about a new slot machine. Chris went and saw the movie Outdoors. You'll never believe what he found out. Check out that clickbait headline. Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Don't look at me. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! Tell me about this Vanquin thing. What I saw you on Twitter. Uh, doing I, like memes back and forth with somebody talking about Vanklin. It was like a Ghostbusters night at a baseball <laughs> field, and they totally royally screwed up. What? What was that? Yeah, somebody posted it. Uh, I think it was, it was on Twitter. Or they said it on Facebook. I can't remember now. I think it was on Twitter. Was, yeah, maybe it's Twitter. And I, yeah. And the IP posted across. Let's put it this way: I'm slightly disappointed in all of us. <laughs> As human beings, in that of all the things I've ever posted on the Proton Charging page, uh, charity events for children, uh, group gatherings, people <laughs> getting married, this was one of the biggest responses I've ever seen to a post. Uh, you and can that never was predict people, people mad. That, yeah. Um, yeah it's, and it goes in waves. So the first wave is people upset at it that it appears to be uh, it was actually a Ghostbusters night at uh, was it Canal Park? Canal Park, which I, I'm I'm not a big baseball guy. Is that a major league park? Is that a no? Minor that's league a park? minor league park. Okay. Um, and they uh, they had a and they do more of these event nights than anybody else too. Yeah. Like uh, Bill yeah. Murray's affiliated with the team, and they've done Ghostbuster days. Like they were the ones that did like the special oh, with the jerseys, yeah, jerseys yeah. and bobbleheads and all this sort of thing. Uh, this one had a Ghostbusters night. Don't know what else they were doing, but somebody they they sent in a picture of the screen because they were having their the board the jumbotron trivia and the question was who's the leader of the ghostbusters and it was hey peter vanklin uh, the, the okay. leader of the is, is that true is he the leader of the ghostbusters too see you're you're like the internet encapsulated because oh, right. wave one that's ridiculous wave two was he the leader <laughs> wave three it says a maybe there was a b and a c too and this is just and, uh, like, oh, man. I'm pretty sure the pitcher who took the picture wouldn't have bothered if it was just the the fake misspelling answer. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's the, plus, the minor league games, too. It's like when I, I worked yeah. at a minor league uh, hockey team when I lived in Ohio. And, and, again, I worked at a minor league hockey team. I was like a freshman in college. It was probably some kid who was doing the yeah. Tron, uh, Jumbotron. But the other uh, thing they forgot, too, is... So in your head, it was like, who's the leader of the Ghostbusters? A, Peter Venklin. B, Peter Vempman. C, <laughs> Peter Venkman. It's like, what? No. Like, what? How? Huh? <laughs> like, like, it was obviously Peter Venklin. Yeah, well, it's uh, obviously yeah, and Peter Venklin. Yeah. yeah. I like the people who came in. It was like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Roy Stantz. <laughs> uh, Roy Stantz. Uh, what was it uh, Egan Spangler? Um, Spingler? It'd be like Spingler. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and I, I, somebody, what was it? Uh, Winston Zedlord <laughs> was my favorite. <laughs> uh, that's fine. And really, Zedlord. now we disappoint, disappointed if somebody doesn't show up in really cheesy looking half assed costume and every name tag is like Venklin, Stance, <laughs> Spangler, and All the Zedlord. bad misspellings. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, like I said, I've never, in a 24 hour period, I've never seen oh that kind God. of response. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, uh, Eric, Dan, if you guys are listening, those the, those have to be cleared names for the IDW comics, too. So if, mm-hmm. you, uh, if you ever need some Bizarro characters, I'm that's sure right. they're fair game. The but, Bizarro uh, Universe Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's Me am afraid of Ghost. <laughs> well, it's Me also, Peter it's, like, it's such a loaded question, and it's also an incorrect answer. I don't know. I, I, I think it yeah. would be arguable about the leader of the Ghostbusters. He's obviously the I mouth know. of the Ghostbusters. I can only imagine it led to fist fights in the stands. Or even if it didn't, I'm going to pretend it did, because that's hilarious. You owe me a beer, because you got that wrong. I swear it's Venkman! <laughs> but yes, it turned into a, a spate of... Uh, a Roy spate of... Uh, spate catalog of uh, memes on Twitter there. Oh, u- using all the, the Venkman lines with Venklin. Venklin. All right, Venklin. Well, nice working with you, Dr. Venklin. <laughs> Stuff like that. Pete Venklin's Venklin. the guy who can get things done. Venklin just sounds... It's such like a a used car salesman name. I mean, I guess it wasn't... Egon was a... It's more like a game show host. Well, yeah, you're right. It's more like a... I'm That's your the host. Peter Well, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Again, they're not super nerds that do hour-long Ghostbusters podcasts. No. Nobody can be. And weirdly enough, yeah. these are these are odd names. Like they're 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 comedy names. Let's put it. Oh, they were yeah. chosen for their uh, hilarious array of consonants and vowels that it just they pop as as funny yeah. names. Yeah. And, Look at I mean and, stance. How many times is stance misspelled? Uh, yeah. You know, either they drop Spangler. the T, they like, add let's an S. Be fair. Egon has been called Egon Spangler so many times over the years because yeah. no, nobody Spangler. distinguishes. Yeah. Spangler. Yeah. Not to no, be confused right. with his official brother, Elon Spangler. <laughs> he's still fighting out there for us on Earth Day. For Earth Real. Day. He's, he's losing, but uh, yeah, he's, well, he's fighting the good fight. He's trying. He's trying. He really likes Paris. Um, but, uh, well, you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Everybody can't be perfect. I'm a terrible speller, so I'm, I can't throw stones at those guys. I'm awful. I, th- I thought it was just an amusing photo, and it turned out it was the end of the <laughs> GD world. Uh, so Well, yeah, you can never <laughs> predict those. Uh, I thought we had a pretty, pretty fen- friendly conversation uh, last week, and... A couple people out there on a certain website said that we sounded uh, salty and butt hurt, which I was like, "What? We did? Oh. All right." I didn't. I didn't even notice that. So no, that's mm. all right. I thought it was fine. Uh, obviously, I I wasn't feeling salty or butt hurt. I mean, I'm salty in general at work. I'm definitely more salty, but uh, I tend to tune out people that their criticisms are basically internet catchphrases. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, this is true. Pretty butthurt and salty. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Gotcha. Go on, go on. Yeah. Well, anyway, please uh, tell me again. Uh, describe to me what you think of me from all those 
things you saw on Reddit. Oh, uh, salty and butthurt. That's how. I'd, salty and butthurt. Uh, yeah. Uh, but hey, let's do some salty and butthurt news. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. Sounds like a popcorn brand. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. More butthurt? Yes, please. It's extra. <laughs> That's fine. There's too much butthurt on my popcorn. Uh, get napkins I- if you're going to get butthurt <laughs> on the popcorn. <laughs> Ew. That sounds so gross. Hey, let's talk about... Um, uh, Ivan's comments about uh, the the future of Ghostbusters. That's that's what we really discussed last week, uh, and it it carried on well past uh, our conversation as it should. You know, we're talking about the future, where things are headed. Uh, Ernie Hudson threw a tweet out there uh, because Yahoo had an, an article that retweeted their their entire live stream, and he said, "What do you guys think? Is this the future of Ghostbusters?" And I saw a lot of people had a resounding, "Oh my God, yes, that would be great. I'd love to see everything." come together and then venture off to other places and, and see that international spin on things. So uh, it seems, seems like the overwhelming majority, for, for the most part, uh, of people are okay with going down this path. Um, was that was that your sort of interpretation of, of the past week, Chris? All of this, you know, we got past all of Dan Aykroyd's comments and then we moved on to the Ghostbusters Day live stream. And uh, it, it seems like everybody's got a, a pretty optimistic viewpoint. Yeah, I think that's because most people just want to see more Ghostbusters stuff, sure. frankly. Yeah. So, and that's why we're and, fans. Yeah, and a small percentage of them that assume that after the last movie, you know, it might be a while before we see more. So to hear yeah. Ivan Reitman talking about doing more, yeah, exciting. Yeah, exactly. But what the worst that happens is we get more Ghostbusters. Uh, sounds sounds great, you know. Um, so I don't know. It I can't. It's it's funny every time I read about Ghostbusters International and some of the headlines even said Ghostbusters International, I, I there's just a little gleam in my eye that I'm like, oh, good on you guys, IDW Comics. Like you guys really paved this path. You've kind of set the prototype for what they could do uh, with uh, the animated movie, the future of the franchise, the animated series, uh, you name it. It it seems like here's here's a great roadmap that has already been laid out for you uh if 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 you want to venture down this path you totally can it's almost like uh you know in, in star wars when the timothy zahn books came out and it was like hey if star wars would have continued here's kind of what it might have done and here's what would have happened to luke skywalker and princess leia and, and han solo and, and all of these characters that you loved idw i feel is kind of doing the same thing which is is really nice i don't know it, it just especially when i see ghostbusters international that it, it just always strikes me yeah. Well, I mean, it one-on-one showing the potential to to do something yeah. with it. Um I don't know. Like I said, I I don't I don't know if it's old age or whatever, but my ability to really get stressed out over whatever they do next is low. I'd be anything. Whatever. <laughs> just Well, and and knowing that it could be 30 years from now. Like I I can't stress over it. I've we've We've been through yeah. those peaks and valleys before. Uh, There's no sense getting worked up over it. Given that I'm a, a Sherlock Holmes fan that is fine with Japan's dog Sherlock Holmes and that North American uh, cartoon where he was a robot AI in the future, <laughs> I, anything they do with Ghostbusters, I'm okay with. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm, young I'm, Sherlock I, Holmes. Yeah, Young Sherlock. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Um, 
Well, hey, uh, funny enough, the, so just kind of uh, keeping on the f- future of Ghostbusters and things that the Ghostbusters Day uh, hubbub may have, have started, uh, we did see an article, was it in the Boston Globe? It was in one of the Boston papers. Um, oh, um, sorry, I, I, it's not in my notes. Yeah, it's none of my notes either. But, but anyway, failed, so, yeah. uh, I think, you know, Dan's misspeaking uh, of the, uh, the reshoots and what the reshoots cost. A lot of people sort of dug into the finances of Answer the Call, and I was unaware that they got such a great tax rebate from the state of Massachusetts for shooting in Boston, uh, $25 million, the tax credit that they got for, uh, and, and it makes sense because they hired local crew. They used local facilities. I'm sure that they, uh, were providing, uh, a lot of the local businesses with all of the, you know, the crew members that are there. So they're putting people up in hotels and restaurants and, and all of that sort of thing. Those, those tax incentives really do make a whole lot of sense, but $25 million. Wow. That's, I mean that's uh, that's a, a, an answer to the call reshoot according to uh, Mr. Ackroyd. Um, that's, yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a pretty good chunk of change. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's one of these things where a number pops up and then everybody's got an opinion. And at the end of right. the day, we know very little about the particulars of this number. Um, it did mention payroll is a big thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of tax incentives are all about payroll. Um. I'm trying to remember what else the article mentioned that it uh, it was drawing back from, but even then, we don't know what that percentage is. Like, yeah, well, and I'm still fuzzy. It like the, it's it's yeah. What what is the percentage? But also, like, how did that work? Sometimes these tax rebates come to them after production is wrapped. Sometimes it comes to them just for committing to film there, so it goes toward their production budget. So if it was a uh, $140 million movie, they just factor in that $25 million into the 140 as if it's part of their budget. Um, yeah, no, so. in this case, well, I don't, uh, payroll especially, it's after the fact. Because yeah, you have to be yeah. able to fill out your tax paperwork and point to it and say, Prove. that's how much we spent on right. um, on payroll. There it is. This is what we're, cross our hearts, hope to die, filing with the IRS. Right. Yeah. Uh, you fill out then you fill out the paperwork and the and all that for the the state of Massachusetts, and they uh, and they give you back uh, whatever the percentage is. Yeah. The now twenty five million can't be well. Oh boy, see, I'm at a certain point. I'm pretty sure it probably doesn't cover the stars. No, no, yeah, it's it's probably for the below um, the line. Every, it's everybody, yeah, everybody yeah. that works, you yeah. know, lives and is hired from the state. But even then, twenty five million is huge because I mean, even if it was like a hundred percent clawback, that's not twenty five million dollars. I, right. I can't imagine. Um, so yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming another one must have come from the um, uh, this because remember we were impressed that they had basically set up their effects shooting at that, uh, what was it, the airfield or the abandoned it base? Was the, yeah, it was, was the uh, airport that they had converted into, like, sound stages and, and things like that, yeah. Yeah, so at a certain point, that might have been part of it, too, so... Yeah, they, they uh, put the money into these facilities have, and... Yeah, so the $25 million might, for example, include the state paid for... $4 million worth of refurbishing. It's not their studio. It's not Sony's studio, yeah. uh, but they got first crack at it and it was brought up to, to speed by uh, the state. Maybe that's part of the $25 million. Definitely mm. something for uh, 
Well, and then, you know, everybody that helped get that built and set up and that, you probably get, who knows? Like yeah. I said, we're now entering the same territory that we ran into when we knew this was the budget and this is what it grossed worldwide. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> At a certain yeah, point, hmm. we no, don't no. know. Yeah. And but, I think that's uh, the good news, too, about the movie. It, I mean... Despite whatever uh, opinions people may have toward the film itself, uh, it did set up some good infrastructure for Boston for future filming. You know, much much like the the Marvel films have done out in Atlanta. You know, they've got yeah. beautiful sound stages and all of these facilities now, and and maybe Ghostbusters sort of helped that out, and the Boston film community is is better for it too. Yeah, the article was. It seemed slightly amazed because overall. Uh, Massachusetts had paid $61 million in these incentive credits. And this was in the wake of, I guess, the governor was going to axe it. Oh, there interesting. Was a, there, was a, there was a pushback to keep it, and they kept it. And then all these, including Ghostbusters, all these productions mm-hmm. showed up. But to the tune of $61 million. And then they were like, $25 million of which was for Ghostbusters. Whoa. And I'm yeah. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's kind of high. But again, we're looking at things like, well, think of the profile that Boston had as a shooting location in that one year alone, just from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like yeah. How, how much of that word went out that, you know, Boston is open for business when it comes to filming. Um, all those people then that were trained and hired that are still there and trained and hired and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So at the oh, end yeah. of the day, I always see those things as the state spent $61 million investing in an industry. And, I, and at which point I stop and go, that's a drop in the bucket compared to a lot yeah. of industries. So I mean, and that's, that's why a lot of the, and, and I think you guys are experiencing it in Vancouver too, but that's why a lot of the film jobs are leaving places like Los Angeles and, Vancouver is because, you know, there's better tax incentives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, or uh, D- Denver, Colorado, or, you know, there's... Yeah, or Romania, or yeah, well, yeah, Georgia, Prague, or... Yeah. Um, but, uh, and the thing is, is, at the end of the day, every single place that does these incentives then hits the same wall, where after a few years, the government goes, how much did we pay in, you yeah. know, these tax credits? And then they try and cut it, and then... And then it turns into, why am I hearing from all these constituents that have no jobs? Um, <laughs> yeah. All of the stuntmen so, and uh, PAs yeah. and camera people and all of the people that are, are local that get employed by these these productions are out of a job. Yeah. So yeah. But and then um, on the ground, it sucks too because uh, I've I've seen this firsthand from the video game side where uh, Vancouver and BC had some pretty good. Uh, tax well decent enough tax breaks but then uh ontario and uh quebec went to war and said uh, come here we have huge yeah, tax steal breaks. your talent yeah and so at the exact same time that our government's sitting here going we think we're gonna ax the credit and we're all sitting here going <laughs> everybody's left <laughs> we've been decimated and then i have all these friends that have given up and leave and they're there for a few years and then then what do they start hearing there is the Toronto, the Ontario governments and all that start going, maybe we'll get rid of this tax credit. Yeah. And oh, well, start packing the boxes again, honey. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, uh, at any rate. So yeah. So, so interesting. We started seeing articles like that. I mean, I feel like, especially on the answer, the call front, we're probably going to be hearing more about that film after there's a little bit of distance in the rear 
rear view mirror on it, uh, you know, to monetarily, uh, creatively, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll start getting some more stories out of that. So it'll be interesting to track that as, as it happens. Um, yeah. speaking, speaking of stories that ha- we haven't heard before, here's one from 1986 that came out of the woodwork. Uh, did you see J. Michael Straczynski's story of how he got the real Ghostbusters job? Sorry, man, I reposted it. Oh, well, see, there you go. Uh, so yeah, you no, obviously I saw it. read it and yeah, it's, uh, God, I, I did not know that. And I don't think that's on the DVDs either. Right. That's not in the documentaries that I'm aware of. Uh, no, not the documentary. And I don't believe it's ever come up. Uh, Strack has been, uh, cataloging his career heavily on, um, online since God, like bulletin board days. Like yeah. he, yeah, he's been in there since day one, and uh, so how long have I been here now? Twenty years. So I remember even oh, prior to that, yeah, ninety five, so, oh, something over two decades ago. I remember, you know, when I was still at university, scouring the the message boards, um, looking for posts he made talking about real Ghostbusters, just so yeah. I had, you know, I could see what he was talking about, and that was the one, some of the earliest ones where he talked about. You know, and they wanted to give Janine round glasses. The kids were afraid of angles, so I left. Um, uh, but yeah, this is the first time that I can recall that he ever talked about how he got the job. So yeah, yeah, and and interesting in the sense that it he, he was under the impression that he was getting fired, fired. from the job that he was on previous. <laughs> Um, but so, so, okay. So two things came out of that. There was that, that he thought he was getting fired, but instead was getting the job that everybody in the animation business wanted at that point. He even goes so far as to say, like he knew every animation writer in town was, was pitching to get on that show and, and not having much success. But then also I wasn't aware at how overwhelmed the two showrunners, uh, Chuck Melville and Len, oh shoot, I'm blanking on his, what was the, what was his partner's name? I'm gonna have to pull the article up, but anyway, so uh, so yeah, so that they were overwhelmed by this the the fact that they had to do the network episodes and the syndicated episodes at the same time, um, which yeah. that that they do allude to in the documentaries that are on the Time Life set, but uh, but yeah, I mean you're you're a couple of of story editors and you have to put together seventy some scripts for an entire season. That can be overwhelming. That's a lot of TV that you have to write for. So it is, yeah. Uh, but I mean, in true JMS style, he kind of. He talks about how he heard about the job, how he was asked to do the job, um, and then I think it was like, "You're funny. You prove to these people at ABC that you're funny." <laughs> like, how do you do that? How do you? Yeah. How do you prove yourself in that type of an audition? But um, so uh, sorry, I'm distracted because I'm trying to find their names, and it's driving me crazy. Oh, the story editors, uh, Len Jansen. That was it. Len Jansen and right. Chuck Menville. Um, so, you know, they were completely overwhelmed by the fact that they had to do a total of 78 episodes for that first season, that first run that they did, which is a lot. And, and a lot of those are up on Netflix now, if you want to watch them, but, uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, it's, it's one of those right place at the right time Hollywood stories that, you know, I think if, if he would have pitched, if he would have written a spec, if he would have uh, wanted it, if he would have gone after it, he probably wouldn't have gotten the job, but here he kind of just went to go turn in his pages after the holiday hiatus on his other show. And, and it sort of landed in his lap. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. He's, um, fairly prolific when it comes to writing. Um, I remember looking at his wiki just the other day sort of thing. And, uh, 
Because he came up uh, again listening to um, our pals at the Monster Party podcast because yeah, they were yeah. interviewing Walter Koenig. Um, and he got to talking about his time on Babylon 5, right. which, of course, yeah. was another uh, Strack uh, show. Yeah. And he got to talking about you know how he uh, – all these things like he was a friend of Harlan Elson and Harlan Elson had some sort of – sci-fi anthology show and then when he left hosting it you know uh j michael straczynski took over and i'm like i haven't heard of this what so i'm on wiki and it's just i'm i'm trying to find something specific to this one show and i'm it's lost in the sea of then he was on jake and the fat man and then he was on murder she wrote and then he you know then he was doing animation and jason the wheeled warriors and then he did i'm like oh my god jeez he just right all the time yeah i mean um, pro- prolific guy and then the other thing that kind of came out of this is he's really like you said he's being very retrospective he's waxing nostalgic about his career so he also mentions all of the people that he brought in to write with him to to handle these uh whatever he said 30 some hours of of ghostbusters that he created and he mentions names like I don't know, it was like michael reeves and uh yeah michael reeves david gerald linda wolverton um, just uh, all of these like top flight writers now that, you know, some have won Oscars and some have written their own shows like uh, Battlestar Galactica and things like that. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, look, look at what real Ghostbusters has brought us all these years later. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, what did he say? 78 episodes was what he was initially yeah. charged with overseeing. That's uh, crazy. That's that's a lot, man. So go go check it out. It's on uh, it's on his Facebook page only. If I and it's I think it's on the fans of J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, page. Uh, it's, gotta, it's called fans of, but it's his. But it's, it's him. <laughs> yeah, it's actually yeah. him. It, because it's got a copyright from him at the end. Uh, so yeah, go go check that out. It's it's a lot of fun. Hopefully, again, a, a lot of stories out there that we haven't heard, which is always. It's very welcome. You know, here we are, we're on a podcast that's a hundred plus episodes in, and obviously we have stuff to talk about. So the people that actually worked on all of these things must, must have so much more to say that hopefully it sees the light of day. Um, yeah. so let's see, uh, Ivan Reitman, uh, was at the E3 expo this past week. That was, uh, uh, unexpected. It kind of popped up on our radar, maybe like two or three days before the actual live stream happened, which was actually today as we're recording this. Uh, so I don't, did you get a chance to watch it at all, Chris? Nope. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll I, know, f- I know it was on, but it was happening, uh, right in the middle of the, right in the middle day. of the day. And it's also, it's, it was a, a professionals panel at E3, obviously. So they had, it was a round table. It was 45 minutes. It was a lot of people talking about video games and, and VR. And I, I, it's right up your alley, man. You actually should, give it a, a, a good watch because they do talk about the video game industry and, and the sort of oh, path that it's heading down as well. I will, but I, yeah, nothing that's said at E3 is so revelatory that I am. Yeah. Oh, I know it's revelatory it's, that I'm in a rush when it's a panel. I'm talking about VR. I'm like, hmm. is one of the, one of the things you're going to talk about is how the systems have dropped to <laughs> 300 bucks. Cause until you say that, yeah. All of this is wonderful theory. That's <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like last week's episode of Silicon Valley. It's uh, well, you get to the top of a hill and you go into a bar and there's this barmaid and you can look at her as much as you want. Like that's the <laughs> entire VR experience. But um, um, I always I am kind of curious uh, to hear a bit more about what Ivan has to say about it because by now I have a fairly good ear for Ivan 
talking to message and Ivan when he actually has some sort of filmmaking yeah. uh, auteur uh, you know, thinking about stuff sort of and in some of the VR stuff we've heard him talk about, he's like, It's exciting and it's the future and we're like, Yes, okay. Yeah, okay, sure. we got it. That's your marketing that's, message. That's, yeah. That's the marketing message. And then every once in a while he kinda talks about possibilities and I'm kinda waiting for to hear more of him talk about things like you can tell that he's yeah. is chewing it over. Like I mean, um uh I don't know what his take on the, the, the Sony VR is yet. It seems kind of it's just getting rolling. Yeah. But part of the yeah. panel was talking about the void, and I know he was really impressed with the void. The only yeah. problem there is that the only thing more expensive than a PS4 VR setup is your own standalone <laughs> void setup. Yeah, so. having to put together your own arcade. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by what he talks about because he, he sort of straddles that line a little bit. I think at the very yeah. beginning, he's there to kind of push the marketing message, and he does sort of repeat the... It's really exciting as a filmmaker, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but actually, what I'll do is I'll, I'll play a couple clips here, but you should go listen to the entire uh, the entirety of, of the 45 minutes because it's a great conversation. But um, I will. Stop I know, bugging I'm t- me. I'm telling our poor listeners, too, if oh, they okay. haven't heard it. But Yeah, listen up, guys. Yeah, come on. Let me sit down, kids. Uh, no, uh, because he does, he talks about how he feels like that this is the future, but it's also still in its infancy. And so the clip that I'd like to play is he sort of starts talking in terms of filmmaking in regards to where we are uh, in virtual reality. And, and the question is sort of inspired by uh, where do you think it will go? Uh, it's, it's the question that we tried to ask him, you know, why it excites him. And he actually has a, a different answer than what he kind of gave us when he was on the podcast here. So We'll play Ivan, and then we'll come back to you. Here he is. So, Ivan, when you're when you're sitting down to tell a story in VR, how, how do you approach it differently than you have with film? Well, it's really frustrating, you know, and um, and you have to sort of think about things totally different than I've been making movies for forty years, you know. So I'm really immersed in a in a kind of a historical way of telling a story, and even the. Uh, both the iconography and the language, you know, you're used to going to a close-up at this moment because you want to emphasize a point, and it's all about directorial control and a writing control. But at the same time, you know, I started mostly in comedies, and so I do believe in improvisation, I, that some, sometimes the, the loss of control and the feeling of that in an audience where they've there's an instinct that this has just happened this magical one time and if you can impart that in the storytelling look we're at the point of like we're odd because we suddenly see a train coming at us on a black and white screen and suddenly there's a cut to a close-up and and you just are in awe of it and that's where we are with VR and and it's the next generation of sort of filmmakers that are going to be open enough to create language uh but when you see something like Resident Evil, which is a game, but suddenly, you know, you're locked in handcuffs and there's this digital character trying to cut you open and free you before this horrible woman is going to chop you down. And, and she doesn't, you know, the character doesn't make it. That's as effective as being stuck, you know, in a room like in Psycho or something where you have a masterful filmmaker really manipulating every moment. There's still manipulation going on. But we have to shift the way we do it, and we're clearly voyeuristic opportunities are huge uh, in VR, and that's the sort of most obvious. And that's why I think 
kind of horror-based uh, storytelling seems to be so popular. And, of course, the action stuff because of the gaming aspect of it. But finding sort of ways to tell different kinds of genres will be really interesting. And there has to be a consequence. In other words, if you're, if you're creating this story and you, you really want people to look over here uh, to camera right or sort of really concentrate as opposed to be checking out everything that's behind them, uh, if they're doing that, you know, there's ways of focusing the attention and the storytelling so that they're going to be looking at the right place when you really need them to. Well, it's, and, a, it's about subtle, using subtle cues and, and kind of encouraging them with gentle nudges more than saying, hey, or, look at this. Or, or teaching them a lesson when, you know, they fuck up and they don't look in the right place. Yeah, <laughs> sort of a safe way. But I, I really look forward to these, these environments where, where people are playing together again and, and they're... And, and, and really acting out parts and living in worlds and, and using these amazing, wonderful imaginations that we all have to bring, bring things to life. You know, it can't just be the work of the, the artists and, and the people creating the VR worlds to do this. It's, it's, a, it's a shared universe. It's a story that, that the, the people are telling, not, not just us. But it's, it's one of the things that's the trickiest about VR because it's a, it, it almost is positioned to be isolationist. You know, you've got all this stuff over your ears, over your eyes. You can't really see what's around you. It's what I really enjoyed about our Void experience. We, I worked with Curtis uh, because Ghostbusters was kind of the initial uh, uh, storytelling that we used in our first uh, thing we did in uh, New York. And it, what's nice about it is at least four people go through it together, and we're loaded down with all this stuff, but you actually see at least an avatar of each of the other people that are in the room, and you can, you can hear well enough their real voices as well as what's going on uh, in your earphones. And, and we keep, you keep going through spaces that shift in scale, and that's really part of the real power of it. You know you're actually in, in New York, it's in Madame Tussauds of all places, and um, you know you, it doesn't seem like a very large place, but in a... After about, you take an elevator up someplace with a little ghost right in front of you that you, you can kneel down and talk to, and it's looking right in your eyes, and it's a conversation because you've got three other people crowded in to this elevator with you, and suddenly you have a ghost creature, you know, right there with you. It's, there's an, wonderful things going on when you get to share that kind of thing, and you step out of it, and now you're on a cityscape overlooking all of Manhattan, and there's flying creatures coming at you. And you know you've just, you're, you know, your intelligence tells you, well, I'm in this building <laughs> somewhere on 42nd Street, and now I'm, you know, in this whole other situation. And you, so the suspension of disbelief, you know, comes really easily. I'm, I love to ask people what they demo when somebody comes over and says, hey, I want to see VR. What, what do you show people for the first time? I, Ivan, let's... I don't have VR at home. Oh, no. Oh, this is a Sorry, dead question. Everybody. You know, you're talking to the oldest guy on the panel right here. <laughs> My son has always been a gamer and has everything, and uh, it was really wonderful um, to sort of experience it uh, through him. But when I started to get involved with The Void because of the Ghostbusters connection, for me, what really hit me was the psychological power of it. And it's, I think, the first thing that... Uh, not being a gamer, sort of shooting things down, even though there's a lot of shooting in Ghostbusters in, in the Void experience, uh, 
it's just being in these rooms, is being out, really getting involved in that sort of deep way. I, I know I'm speaking very simplistically, but I do think that's where the power is. And if you could tell a story that is really experiential, that sort of moves us, uh, that it would move you if you watch it in a standard film, I think the depth of involvement from the person experiencing it can it will be ex exponentially higher. To me as a storyteller, lifelong, that's the interesting part. And, and the great challenge is how do you, what are those new rules? You know, it's what you're saying, I think it's really smart, uh, which is some stories really aren't meant to be told in VR, and you're just taking advantage of a gimmick. Then it really does become a gimmick. But when you get lost into something where, like you were saying, I've got to take the headset off, this is way too hard for me right now, well, that's an extraordinary moment for you as a, as a viewer, and it's, it's a really addictive. So, yeah, I think there's extraordinary storytelling, but we're, we're just figuring that out now. Do you think Great Train Robbery, or are we to Citizen Kane yet? No, we're nowhere near Citizen Kane. <laughs> I think much closer to the train robbery. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, that's just a little taste, Chris. That's a little taste of what uh, you can, can hear on there. But, yeah, it's, it's, even though it's, yeah. it's very high-tech, it's very low-tech at the same time. I get what he's trying to say. Like, people haven't quite figured out how to harness this for for horror and action and for, for actually gaming, it makes a lot of sense. But for storytelling, people are still trying to figure out the best approach to this, which is interesting. It, yeah. It's funny. Cause when he, he mentioned like it was kind of in his infancy, I immediately thought to myself, we gotta be pretty close to busting out of it though, because, and then I started thinking about, you know, how long was the quote unquote infancy of, of uh cinema and then basically just as long as <laughs> that that fired through my brain he's off talking about the train i'm like yeah see he's thinking about it too well, so yeah i mean it's uh what you know uh, 60 years from the advent of the magic lantern to star wars you know you got a little you got a little time in between there while people try to figure things yeah. out and figure out how to trick your brain and well and get you involved yeah yeah so how do you count it because motion picture First major jump was dropping in sound, which is in the twenties, right? That yeah. Was like second, second was then um, color. I'd say no. Uh, it's moving away from the staged framing. Oh, so like so, the, Citizen yeah. Kane, or even like uh, Universal Monsters, yeah, start moving, putting angles in there and yeah, all that. Yeah, moving the camera around. Yeah. So yeah, once the visual language start to change, color, to be honest, is kind of it's kind yeah. of minor, right? It's yeah, kind of like three D ish. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like claiming that the guy who does you know photorealistic color oils is a real artist, but that guy who works in graphite pen is not. It's like. <laughs> No, they're both basically there, just two different approaches yeah. to the same same medium and, and tool set and all that. So but it makes it more realistic, obviously, because oh, you want, God, unless you're colorblind, great, then. you Fine, don't see it in black and white. Jeez. I'm just saying, all right. <laughs> color, yeah, color definitely. This uh, black and white is a light thing, whereas color adds in not just light, but now, yeah, there's. But I see that as like a, a relatively minor step forward compared to, like I said, taking the camera off its stand and moving it around yeah. on angles and all. That was a yeah. real things like the Steadicam. I'd say that the Steadicam is a huge addition to that. Or 
CG. Fine, CG. What's the what's the steady cam of VR then? Like my analogy is about to fall apart if you don't let me simplify. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're moving, well, because well, because think about it, how long has VR been around, right? Like, God, um, it's an eighties. It's a, yeah. We first ran into it an eighties trope, right? Like right? one more man, yeah, exactly. The the age when and it'll kill us all. I'm like, you're really stretching everything. VR is going to kill us all. The polygon pterodactyls are going to kill us all. (laughs) So that's what a 30 year run now, 30 some odd. Like that's longer than it took to go from, as you said, uh, Magic Lantern to sound. So, uh, boy, I don't know. Like I said, I the main the main thing right now is that the home systems can push a lot of environment around when, you know, previously the best we had was what game, the, you know, virtual, virtual boy. boy and stuff. Yeah. Like it was really limited. Yeah. You're going to do a VR experience. Screen resolution was horrible and it was at an arcade. Like it was a specialized pay $5 to, and the, the, they amp, they had to augment it by, they put you in a chair. The chair would move a bit, and right, yeah. they'd run you through an environment where here's a pine tree. Quick, spritz them with some pine scent. Now you're going by the water. Quick, hit them with some mist. You know, I was like, <laughs> um, so we are at that point. The trouble is, is that it's pricey. So yeah, the yeah. thing that comes next, and this is the problem, is that these systems will never be allowed to age to a price point where everybody jumps on board by about the time that you'd think the price would be dropping. All of these companies will be going and here's the next system. Yeah. And its price yeah. point is exactly the same Moving as it was. On. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I, yeah, we'll I like see. I'm I'm curious to I'm always curious to see what people have to say and I'm always excited to see what people are working on. I just I don't know. It's like VR has to hit the the you know the the Nintendo the first generation Nintendos and all that or the yeah. uh whatever the price point was on the PlayStation 2. Like there was a magic mixing of the what the machines could push versus the price you had to yeah. pay in the PlayStation 2 for, for I'm, it was like I one ninety nine. I th- people adopted know, it pretty easily. Yeah, I know everybody loves place the first PlayStation, like the, their their Saturns, uh, all you know, all the Nintendo systems that came before. But it cannot be overstated how much of a global phenomenon the PlayStation Two was. Yeah, yeah. and we're kind of waiting for that whatever PlayStation Five point or whatever to. <laughs> Like and this is the thing. Like this, this might be the thing that 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 cracks it through is that Sony, rather than huffing and puffing and figuring out how they're going to make that jump to the you know processing to five, maybe their their whole trick is to hit that midpoint and go. You know, we've done a you know PlayStation four point five, and the size has come down, price has come down. Yeah. Oh, and VR is you know comes as part of the whole thing and then i don't know that's that's kind of what it feels like they're doing right like the xbox one x is basically just an incremental improvement over the last one and the playstation uh what is it (laughs) ps4 pro or whatever it's called is just an incremental step up and well the xbox one is everybody going can i have connect back so (laughs) please yeah exactly um so, well, whatever. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And and I do like, you know, if you if you do listen to the whole thing, they do talk about bridge crew and, and a few other examples in terms of like 
look, it's basically uh, a virtual LARPing. It's basically you're just immersed in this this environment and you get to live in it. And that's that's the it's not there's no game aspect. There's no storytelling aspect. It's just you existing in this environment. And maybe that's where it's going to go. You know, we don't know. We're still seeing what yeah, the, what that, that that's might very be. Um, ready player one, I guess, is what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah. Which I mean, remember but, when yeah. we talked to Ernie and he said that he hangs out with his friends in the VR space like that. Yes. There you go. Speaking of Ready Player One, that's what that's what it's for. So, yeah, and Ernie may have had a, uh, like many a science fiction writer before him, may have had a clearer idea than even people in the industry because right now, yeah. everybody's still talking about the game for it. Whereas you and I have mentioned before the one of the biggest problems, and we talked about this with uh, with Ivan himself, going, how do you tell a story when you can't control where? Yeah, the 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 audience is looking. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, and what's interesting like, is is Ivan with an he's an improvisation guy. Like, it's the dynamics, the the unpredictability of having a comedian who's an improv actor on set that has to sort of lend itself to this too. You have to be able to yeah. run with that. You don't know what that person's going to do. A little bit, except Ivan in those situations is counting on the most powerful improv systems in the world, which is well, another human yeah. being. Whereas to get a computer to do that is insanely hard. Yeah, um, exactly. The The best you can get it to do is to realize, is camera looking at me? No. <laughs> and the character goes, hey, over here. <laughs> He'd turn yeah. around, right? Like, is that why the Ghostbusters VR wouldn't just let me throw donuts at Slimer for as long as I wanted to? Because that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to no, like, play catch because, with Slimer. That's because the developers are infuriating. No, <laughs> <laughs> they they were really they were really nice guys. We were there, and uh, they acknowledged some of the things we talked about, like trying to we talked about it last time trying to get a i'm trying to pick up the trap you don't have to pick up the trap just press the button but yeah that was the, well, i remember I the time we we complained we're sitting there going why couldn't i just keep like <laughs> how much is it 10 bucks i'll pay 20 just let me keep throwing donuts to just let me live let me exist in this space i want to just <laughs> hang out it's, it's like a mini mission of do you want to go off on the main thing or do you want to uh, go no. to the ecto go buy more donuts yeah. to throw the slimer it's like yeah yeah i mean that's that in ghostbusters the video game i would never go to the ecto to start the the new mission i'd be like well i gotta go check the voicemails and then i gotta go see if the shower is still working and then i gotta go fake play the video game and you know achievement uh, unlocked you have fed 12 different flavors to slimer yeah <laughs> oh, life one um <laughs> anyway. by the way i'm copywriting that badge so if they're gonna make that one i'm getting money so you want to talk about diamond select because we didn't talk about sure. them last week and we probably no, we should didn't. have um so something from ghostbusters day that we did not talk about it did come up uh like 20 minutes after we recorded the way that it usually works <laughs> uh yes so. i joked about that it was like it's like and we're done recording for the week diamond select is one moment. Mm, JK. Uh, yeah. Hey, two hour podcast. Feeling pretty good. Feeling like it's pretty complete and uh, crap. Well, so at any rate, we're going to talk about it this week. Uh, Diamond Select. It's it's things that we sort of already had seen and known, but uh, just with a, a little more uh, explanation. So the, the diorama that they're going to be doing for the Ghostbusters 2 uh, figures starting with Series 6 will end with Series 10, which we, we did know that it was going to go 6 through 10. Uh, yep. There will be 15 pieces in total for the diorama that is going to make it at least 40 inches high, which is about the same height as the the, the yep. temple. Um, 
very cool the the 15 pieces in total now we can start speculating we're going to get 15 figures in this run we can start trying to figure out what all those figures are going to be we've already seen four of them so we've got 11 on the table that we have no idea what they're going to be um and speculation is running high because diamond as they always do they did one of their q a's uh and dst chuck was answering questions adam c asked him if they had any um like they wanted, he wanted them to go back to the classic Kenner line and like, Hey, diamond should go back and do, uh, you know, the, the milkman and granny ghost and the post guy and, and all of that kind of stuff. No, no. Yeah. They're not going to do that. He, well, I think what happened was he wanted a gritty take on the Egon fright feature, which, <laughs> which I, I would love to see that too. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, so, I mean, all that's wonderful. I just, yeah, it's a bit, a bit off of what they're going for, which is true to the movie yeah true true to the movie however they did sneak in this uh so he was very cordial in his response uh dst chuck says adam glad you are happy with the line we are not looking at anything tied to the kenner figures but that's a cool idea we are focused right now on the gb2 movie and rgb series what so what is what is he talking about there? I mean, we know that they're doing mini mates, and when we had Zach Ode on the show, boy, it's almost been a year ago now. I can't believe it, but he was saying that they were going to be exploring some more of the real Ghostbusters uh, mini mates. Is that what he's talking about, or is there a possibility that we're going to get some Ghostbusters two action figures in the select line? You mean real Ghostbusters in the select line? Yes, 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 yes. What did I say? Um, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, years of PR speak uh, have lead me to suspect that's what he's talking about is the the mini mates and all that. But at the same time, man, I think they'd set the world on fire if they made a line of, uh, especially um, it, not going the collector's route uh, necessarily, or more to the point, making sure they did the the the. Um, what do you call them? The the retailer versions that didn't come with the pieces that were yeah, less expensive. The, yeah, exactly. Man, that would be and and a real good follow up to the fact that they you know all the cartoons are back out there in digital yeah. form again and all that. So it would make sense they could do the four the four busters themselves um, because that's that's something that's recognizable to a, a wider audience. You know where Granny Ghost. Uh, not quite as recognizable. Fearsome Flush, not quite as recognizable. But, uh, you know, real Ghostbusters Peter Venkman, chances are somebody's going to be walking down the, the aisle in uh, Toys R Us and be like, oh, man, that's so cool. I remember this. And, or, Four guys, Janine, the cartoon version of the Slimer. Which yeah, cartoon Slimer. Yeah. We haven't seen a RGB Slimer toy in how long now? <laughs> Did he come in the... Um, the Janine, the Mattel retro. He, oh yeah, he did. In yeah, the, like Mego f- style figures. Yeah, so we we did yeah. have that. But that's but, I mean, not that's, it. I mean, it's, it's different. It's a little stylized too. I mean, so that's that's a good example. So that could be four or even five of these figures that we don't we don't know about yeah. yet. Um, I don't um, know. I don't know. I to be honest, I think there's. We've talked about this before. There's even room for doing the IDW ones too. Those would make yeah. fantastic figures. I I mean I I would uh, not just the IDW versions of of the main uh, characters, but uh, 
Ron Alexander, uh, Melanie Ortiz, like the again, these are uh, the problem is that they're so they're so specialized to people like fans say, and yeah. readers of the comics. You know, we're venturing into fearsome flush territory with them, but uh, yeah, but you do those the like they're doing the the diamond select with the pieces. You could do those as like collector ones that are whatever direct. Uh, Direct sales, direct market, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Direct market, and then just put the ones people would recognize again out into Toys R Us. Get the best yeah. of both worlds, because it doesn't. It doesn't matter. If it has the Ghostbusters logo and says Peter Vinkman and and has Dan's yeah. style, even his stylized design. Everybody would immediately go right. Egon Winston. I get it. No, yeah, that's I fine. get it. And and they may not know immediately that it's from the comics, but yeah, you're right. Oh, that's a cool stylized figure. I like that. Um, well, frankly, I'm just living in my head where there's the comic. Uh, and then that was turned into an animated movie, and then there's action figures for it. Because yes. really, if there was any justice in this world, oh, please, <laughs> please, Hollywood gods out there, hear our prayers for the IDW animated movie. Yeah, I think that's a real easy way around uh, uh, fan fatigue too. Is to you know stop trying to give us the movie accurates after these Diamond Select. Because once Diamond Select's done their run, yeah, that's pretty good. We've kind of done everything at that point for a while let's take a breather and move to uh you know like let's mass market it let's uh, give us something new and cool so yeah obviously yeah. dan's designs obviously, <laughs> obviously dan's design yeah exactly duh duh um so yeah let's, <laughs> we'll we'll see once we know more about those we'll, we'll definitely keep you guys informed uh another thing that we missed last week the uh the vegas crowd oh Sorry, we should back up. The one thing we never touched on with the, the Diamond Select is, because uh, this is the one thing I noticed, there was a vocal, vocal number of people complaining about it. Uh, the pieces for the uh, build, the first floor of the um, the fire hall. And a lot of people were complaining that just the first floor? And it's like, how many? Oh. How, many how big are these boxes going to be? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I haven't heard beyond that because the thing is, is that these boxes are, uh, or this series is Ghostbusters two, but it comes with a Ghostbusters two sign and a Ghostbusters one sign. I'm kind of wondering then if they do a third series, even if it's RGB, you know, hey, fire hall, maybe you can do the upper floor. Do you know what I mean? Like so, so just the first floor because I thought it was it's just the facade of the front, right? So, but you're getting the yeah. entire door. You're getting the whole, yes, but but not the front, not up the. It doesn't go up to the the roof. The facade doesn't go up to the roof. I don't think. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, boy, that's gonna have was, to be like if it's already if it's forty inches tall from f- f- quote floor to the top of the door. If they did the full firehouse, that'd have to be. It's impractical. Yeah, eighty inches, ninety inches, at, it's if not more. But that was the thing. A lot of people were like, "Why just the the first floor?" It's like, uh, because, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. What is eighty inches? Like a foot taller than you or I? Like, I, <laughs> I'm super tall. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Shut like up. Six feet something. Five sixty inches is five feet. Okay, so so uh, sixty sixty inches is Robin one Robin Shelby. Uh, then 80 would be, I don't know how tall Robin Shelby is. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the scale chart now because that's what Diamond Select put out there on their social media. Like, I want to see the, like, 
So here's one Troy, one Robin Shelby, and one uh, six-inch Ray compared to what the... <laughs> Sorry. It's, uh, I, I mean, yeah, it would, it would have to be... It, it would big. be like floor-to-ceiling. It would it, yeah. To be in scale, it would have to be pretty ridiculous. But uh, So 40 inches, the facade of the first floor is 40 inches? That's, yeah. I mean, they made it look like because the uh You're telling the temple, me it's two, two-thirds of a Robin Shelby. <laughs> That's, That's pretty insane. impressive. That is pretty impressive. We love you, Robert. She, she, she is a scientific, uh, international scientific yes. Uh, measurement. Uh, yes, uh, many, pe- many people are on metric. We are on Shelby. Um, so if you could please refine old, your measurements old, and get back to us with your data, that would be fantastic. Part of the old imperial scale. <laughs> a foot, a stone, a farthing, a Shelby. A Shelby, yeah. Uh, there you go. Adopt it. And uh, I, I don't know if Robin listens to the show, but if you hit her up with that, she's going to be like, what are you guys talking about? I have no idea. Um, so, nobody snitch. Yeah, it's just between us. It's just between us. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, these these slot machines because... Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard about this until you brought it up. Did did not... So. It, it was one of those things that snuck under the radar on Ghostbusters Day. Again, a zero-hour thing. Everybody had their announcements kind of during peak hours and then at like 7, 8 o'clock at night uh, while you and I are recording is actually when this, this news broke. But um, So the same folks that have done the original Ghostbusters-themed slot machine, IGT, they're going to release an answer the call themed uh, slot machine into Vegas, uh, and I'm sure it's going to have the same sort of you know the the graphics, the the movie clips, the sound effects. Um, we, yeah, we don't know a whole lot of details. I know for the the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters slot machine, they recorded some new dialogue, which Ernie Hudson has has said that he sat for a day and recorded like good job and that kind of stuff for for people to inspire them to continue spending money. Yeah. Um, I'm still confused by these slot machines. Every time I sit down at one of these, I don't know if I've won or I've lost because it's it's not just like three across. It's not just like three diagonal. It's like, no. oh, you're in this zigzag pattern with a Slimer Whammy. So you just got, I don't know, I, I just cash out. What did I get? Nothing. I lost money. I, I just yeah, can't figure those out. I have the same problem. The, um, a lot of these games, although they haven't done it for Ghostbusters, uh, Sadly, if they did, I might actually play the damn things. But, uh, for example, Zynga uh, uh, does a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Connect 3 games. Oh, like the Candy based Crush. Based on properties. Yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, they did one for Wizard of Oz. They have a license for Wizard of Oz. Built into it is, like, when you're playing it, it pops up, did you want the Wizard of Oz slots? Because they, they use all the same sound files and art and all this. But now it's one of these, as you say, you know, five rows, six column, uh, things. And yeah, it's like no rhyme or reason. And you can do multiple matchups. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like it just seems to design to way more chances. Keep hitting the button. Yeah, eyebrow exactly. waggle, eyebrow waggle. Eyebrow things waggle. will flash like, and, and you'll have a, uh, a video yeah. payoff if you've won. Otherwise, yeah, you just keep doing what you're doing. So my question um, is who did they get to do the voices on, uh, on this one? Yeah. I mean that, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you've got Holtzman. So you're sitting there with your, uh, complimentary cocktail and, uh, she's screaming, <sighs> weird things in your ear while you're pushing the button in Vegas. But hit the uh, jackpot. What? What? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, uh, 
See see how they do that if they'll be stylized too because the the original Ghostbusters is is pretty you know movie accurate they got all of the likeness yeah. rights to everybody so we'll see if they did the same thing for this one as well but uh, again uh, what are they called IGT International uh, IGT. Gaming Technology yeah IGT you need an IDW Ghostbusters slot machine I'm just saying <laughs> yeah there I you play go. that next to Wheel of Fortune Wizard of Oz uh, Alien here's here's the the IDW uh, Wizard of Oz Alien. What well, is yeah. this? Tell me more. Oh, oh, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> so Pat Sajak starts saying that he's got like you know this this thing in his chest, and he like lays down on the wheel. No, we don't go there. We represent the colonial <laughs> marines, colonial marines, the colonial marines. <laughs> we represent the colonial <laughs> marines. <laughs> Here's your very own pulse rifle. I don't know how the song goes, but I liked it. That was pretty good for on the spot. Thank you. I I enjoyed that. Uh, hey, so uh, there's two more things on the rundown. Uh, the mm. first one we can kind of breeze past. I think uh, it's a crystal head vodka uh, contest, contest yeah. uh, where you can ride across Canada if you are a Canadian resident. This uh, it is only open to Canadian residents, as far as I've seen. But uh, all you have to do is post on social media, Facebook or Instagram with the hashtag head across Canada uh, with a photo of crystal Head vodka. And they will put you up care of crystal Head vodka. If you win onto a train, you'll get to see the countryside. Uh, I'm sure all expenses will be paid. It'll be a lovely journey that Dan Aykroyd will probably not be on. Um, unfortunately, it's funny. They kind of, they, they trick you with the photo in their, uh, their little blurb on the website. It's like Dan on the railway with the crystal head vodka skull, but that's just a promo photo. He's not going to show up. He's not going to ride across the country with you on a train. As cool it's a long as that trip. Would be. It's a long trip. It's yeah. a long trip. So. A very beautiful trip though. Um, yeah, exactly. I haven't good, done good romantic the... trip for a trip for two people. Yeah. I haven't done the, the cross country one, but I've done from here to Jasper, uh, in, um, Alberta. Yeah. And it is gorgeous going through the mountains. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And that's just one, one province to the other. So yeah, once you keep trekking the prairies and the, um, I, I, I think it'll take you wherever you want. So get on that damn thing. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and go see Canada uh, on crystal head vodka's dime. I mean, they're putting Dan yeah. up in France and Germany and all of these places now. Why can't they put you on a on a train across Canada? It and, and it is no uh, you and a friend or three friends. I think well, it's, I thought it was just a trip for two. Is it a trip it was for two? two tickets? Yeah, it doesn't matter because that is you know easily pushing you know if it's sleeper car stuff, which it is. That's pushing ten grand. Yeah. So that is no. That is no uh, uh, trinket. That is that is a serious Pretty prize. Pretty sweet prize. So yeah, go go do that. Uh, if you are eligible to compete, uh, go enter. I think the contest ends in a couple of weeks, so you don't have much time. Do it uh, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't done it. Go do it now. Oh, um, we may need to double check that because I thought be I read done. that it went to no, it went to December or something. Oh really? I thought it was like end of June, but uh, this is how prepared we are on the Ugh. show. Sorry guys. Crystal Head Vodka is not going to send us any swag. This is the problem. We're just we're killing their message here. I keep asking them. I to just want free day. vodka, guys. Just they won't vodka. send me any. So, uh, so we'll, we'll double check that. But go go enter anyway. I mean, I think it goes without saying. If you want to do this, you got to go enter right now. And here, do I'll it. go. You should do it anyways. Actually, and I'm a little surprised that they're not opening it up to Americans because via rail, like the Cross Canada thing, is already kind of like a 
a lot of people don't realize you can still take via rail across it. Like, I'd be surprised yeah. that they didn't want to open it up to, hey, Americans, yeah, a cheap tourism vacation. board. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, so, and I also realized I'm not wearing my glass. Oh, there is valued at approximately ten thousand dollars. So I didn't. Pretty penny. I pulled that one out of my butt, but I was right. Uh, ten, yeah, two round trip. So get on. Uh, all Canadians, excluding residents of Quebec. Oh. That's what you get for yeah. refusing to come on board 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> you could be winning prizes, but oh no, mm. Captain Crunch has to have Captain Crush on it. So there you go. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being mean to Quebec. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Salty and butthurt. Here we are. <laughs> there will also be a weekly prize draw for two Crystal Head Vodka Skull shot glasses valued at approximately $10. Awesome. I'd be happy with that. I need those so shot glasses, yeah. so there you go. Kicked off May 30th and will continue to December 31st, oh, meaning okay. I'm the smarter of the two of us. You, well, <laughs> we already knew this. Like, this is well established. But. <laughs> uh, yeah. Grand prize winner will be chosen following the completion of the sweepstakes period by January 5th, 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got a lot of time. That's. Uh, remember what I said about rushing to go do it? Don't rush. You got plenty of time. Do it anyways, because um, who knows? Hell, do it more than once. It may help your chances. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So go uh, do that. Entering the contest is free and easy. Go to their website, read up on it, uh, post to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Hashtag Crystal Head Vodka and hashtag Head Across Canada. Remember to make your post public so CHV can see it. Yeah. Yep. So Yeah, pretty easy. Easy peasy. There you go, Canadians. Go, uh, uh, go win a trip, guys. Go on a trip. Let us know when you're doing it, and all the uh, franchises along the way can, uh, I don't know, at the very least, stand at a rail crossing and wave at you. So <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Everybody can do like a hands-across-Canada kind of thing to, to see you on your way. Um, all right, so we've got a couple minutes left here on the show before we, we uh, jump into the final thoughts. Uh, Chris, I want to know about the outdoor screening that you went to, uh, because you mentioned, I think it was on uh, Twitter, that you... You, you saw a couple of things that you never really saw in the original Ghostbusters before, and that really intrigued me. What what was it that was new that you noticed this time around? That happens every time I watch the movie. Uh, it's one of those things now where I don't actively watch the movie the same way you do when it's a new movie. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like So now, even though I'm staring right at it, part of it is just kind of humming away on automatic, which leaves part of my brain to then kind of yeah. think stupid stuff. It's like an album that you um, know all of the lyrics to. You can kind yeah. of just follow along. Yeah. And then, you know, after your 18 millionth, you know, listening to it, you know, you're on the headphones one day and you're like, where did that trumpet come from? That's amazing. Uh, it's the same thing here. I'm watching it and I realized that, uh, uh, Walter Peck is, it, 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 what struck me is he mentions that he's part of the third district. And with the Environmental Protection Agency 3rd District, which sounds perfect. It just, you're like, great, that makes perfect sense. But then I realized, like, the 53rd Precinct does not exist. Nor is he pointing on the map anywhere near anything close to a 53rd Precinct in the mayor's office. So I got that, meh. And of course, you know, I'm, this was an outdoor one. It was held, uh, uh, it was a... M- a strip mall complex, a more modern strip mall complex. And it had a courtyard and they set up in the courtyard, uh, which was both lovely 
and distracting because it was <laughs> I'm basically sitting right next to a Papa John's watching this thing going I would really kill for a piece of pizza uh, right now. pizza yeah I want pizza it's alright actually I pretended it was 1989 uh, afterwards I bought one of their slices and then I went immediately across the street to the McDonald's and bought fries and pretended that they were still making McPizza so oh McPizza that's, that, that's oh how I, man that's how I spend my Saturdays but anyways uh <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm, you know, it's unlike a movie theater. It's perfectly reasonable to pull out uh, your phone. So I went looking and did a little resume searching. Uh, and yeah, uh, there's no third district. They don't even huh. call themselves uh, districts. There, um, uh, there's ten. Ten. What did they call them? Not sectors. I can't remember off the top of my head now. But uh, they've divvied up the uh, United States and its territories into ten parts. And New York is in the second. Huh. Weirdly enough, New York and, and I think Hawaii and Puerto Rico are all covered in the same uh, the same division. Now I wonder if it, that is. Can we chalk that up to Harold and Dan sitting writing the script and like, I just say you know uh, representing the third district of like to make it sound official, or do you think they had to Greek that out much in the way that like. I don't know, like, there is no Shermer, Illinois. Like, you you don't want to be associated with something in order to make sure that you're not liable for something that you say? I think it's uh, one part uh, Dan speak, uh, instigated by the fact that they were writing it in 83, and even though Nixon, it had been well established uh, by the Nixon presidency, how do you find out that, like, I pulled out my phone and said epa well yeah divisions and it went yeah there's here's wiki there's 10 of them go away whereas in their day it's like epa uh, is it sectors divisions my, what is it uh, let me check my funk and wagnall's encyclopedia set that i got Nothing, from right? uh, the grocery store and uh, it doesn't say anything about the epa districts in but here. if you say yeah. epa third division sounds yeah. sounds perfectly reasonable that's that's my guess is what it is huh. it's just it was just one of those things of it had to sound official, but they really didn't know how the EPA was structured and no good way to find out. Nor is that line worth a day's research. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, exactly. And and for all we know, uh, what if William Atherton uh, flubs it? What if he was supposed to say the second district and he said third district? You know what? Like, it, uh, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, that's, I don't know. It could be anything. It could be a, a variety of things, but... I think uh, it was, uh, was it scripted. I don't have my copy oh, around here. It's got, we'll look, we'll check it out. We'll bring it up see, next I time. I got my making Ghostbusters here. Oh, I'll there keep you go. Flipping. Flip, uh, flip, 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 flip. Oh, peck. Yeah, here we go. Uh, oh, nope, that's the wrong scene. Keep going, talk amongst <laughs> yourselves while I read the entire script here for Ghostbusters. Here, you do that, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach over here, and I'm going to grab a book at random, and I'm just going to do Foley of you flipping pages here. <laughs> just keep going. Stop singing it over my Foley work. <sighs> you don't need to clean. <laughs> How big is this book? It's pretty big. Tell me you found it. Um, well, I'm I'm reading through the scene. 
And I don't see it. Oh. Because he says, but, in the in at least in the making Ghostbusters version, Venkman says, can I help you? Peck says, I'm Alter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency. Oh, Third District. Yeah, environment. Okay. it's in the script. Third District. Great. How's go. it going? Huh. Now, is making Ghostbusters a transcript? Um, if I remember correctly, no, because uh, it had it does have alternate lines. It in has it. alternate lines in it, and so Don Shea even shooting. says, yeah, "Yeah, that this is the production draft." All right, so that was uh, Atherton was not improving. He literally just read uh, Dan speak. Um, yeah, it says it is the final shooting script dated seventh of October, nineteen eighty three, being published in this volume. Yeah. Um. Which is basically when they started shooting in New York. Yeah. So dialogue, improvisation, deletions, just yeah. So I mean, there's there's a whole forward at the beginning of making Ghostbusters to to tell you that I guys making Ghostbusters. I know it is incredibly ridiculously hard to find and very expensive. It's one of Buy the it. best books. Like if you are a fan and you're listening to this podcast and you don't have making Ghostbusters, put it on your your birthday, Christmas, holiday wish list and make sure that somebody gets it for you because it's it's yeah. awesome. Even if you buy off of Amazon where you're buying a used copy, it doesn't matter how beat up this book is because it's not a book you're going to necessarily collect. It's one you're going to want to read anyway. So yeah. don't worry about getting a pristine copy or whatever. I think these days you can pick it up for as low as 75 and for the love of God, try to avoid paying more than 200 yeah, bucks for it. Yeah, but, don't, don't pay that much for it. But but if you've ever said to yourself, is a book worth 200 bucks? This is on the short yeah, list yeah, as a Ghostbusters is, fan. One. Uh, and I know that there are places that have scans of it out there. We won't mention them on the air, but uh, you can you can seek that out. If you don't have a copy or you can't afford a copy, uh, go go give it a read. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool, yeah. man. I'm glad you're, you're uh, getting out to the outdoor screenings. I hope everybody else out there listening is... <laughs> Able to at least catch one this what, summer. What does that mean? Glad to hear you're getting out there, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks well, lot, you know, I feel you know yeah, you're sick, and I <laughs> I worry about you. No, I'm not. I'm not currently sick. I'm fine. Um, actually, it was quite nice. And the Ghostbusters of British Columbia were uh, all but a few people were there, so that was uh, oh lovely. nice, good group event, excellent. Yeah, uh, Peter Peter Push brought his uh, ectomobile out, uh, which is always always a good draw. Uh, he has a real swanky uh, black ectomobile Ooh. that always is always a crowd pleaser, and uh, yeah, the guys were all there. Lots of kids, really excited, uh, get their pictures taken with the with Ghostbusters, and yeah. uh, and like I said, I dreamed a little <laughs> dream of McPizza. I was gonna say, uh, and you ended the day with McPizza, and that's, that's all I really miss McPizza. So. There was it was. <laughs> It's it, the pizza was exactly what you would imagine McDonald's making pizza like. It was not, it was not like the freshest, most Italiana uh, pizza you could imagine. But there was just something beautiful about it and a side of fries <laughs> that just married so well. And then they killed it because McDonald's was like, it takes too long because it was you can only make pizza so fast. Well, and yeah, they didn't like it. I was like. Oh. And they had oh, so wow. many other, yeah. Uh, there's so a, there's a, there's all these special McDonald's franchises coming around now, like uh, fancy restaurant ones and limited menu ones, and and ones with beer licenses and all that. I'm gonna open up a McDonald's pizzeria. 
McPizza. Just McPizza. Mc, just McP- nothing but McPizza. McPizza. No, that's not true. You can you can get stuff that marries well with. So, Mc, uh, you know, you get your McPizza of various sizes, both you know personal and larger. Fries, the drinks, the desserts, uh, and maybe none of the burgers, but maybe McNuggets. Maybe. Maybe. Why am I thinking this out on air? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll change the topic quick. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, and what was most beautiful about it is, like I said, it's I have now well lost count how many times I've seen this movie, and there's still little things to pick out of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, go go check them out and and look for things. If you spot something in the movie that you never noticed before, we want to hear from you guys because that's uh, I think that's been yeah. the prevailing theme of this episode is stuff that we didn't know before, uh, yeah. which is, is always fun. So uh, hit up the voicemail and tell us if you see Don't something. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, Chris. Uh... Here we go. We're rounding out uh, this this episode again. We're coming into the final thoughts. I do. Uh, I I missed a shout out. Uh, the Ghostbusters of Central New York did ask us to let you guys know that they will be at the Salt City Comic Con. Uh, they're raising some money for charity. They're raising money for the Upstate Golsano Children's Hospital. Uh, so go visit their booth, Salt City Comic Con 2017. It's coming up. It's right around the corner. Uh, looks to me like it is actually this week. Oh my goodness! I'm glad that I got this out there. So June uh, 24th, 25th, go check yeah, them weekend. out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, final thoughts? You got you got anything for this episode? Yeah, it fits the theme nicely of things you may never noticed before. I think I've talked about this before. Um, there's the mat shot of the Ghostbusters walking out into Dana's busted apartment. Yes. Yeah. And a few years back, I noticed that in the the uh, balcony on the apartment across the way you can see people moving all the boss films guys <laughs> partying yeah yeah um i've i've managed to speak to some more people that worked at boss and find it a little bit more it uh it was uh that matt particular matt was neil Kreppola and his it sounds like it's his team uh it was a small team and his team are the ones that uh were uh, on the balcony across the way. Oh, that makes um, sense. All, all the matte painting crew, uh, compositing crews on there, yeah. The compositing crew was yeah. uh, was brought in there. Oh, that's to, funny. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm kind of building pieces every time I talk to somebody that knew a little bit about it. Uh, it kind of sounded like it was a bit to try to bring a little extra life to it. Yeah. Which is strange because for all these years, we never really noticed it. And then, like I said, I'm watching it on the big screen one day and I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. And now you can't help um, but not notice it. Yeah. It's so. Yeah. So one of these days, I'll, I'll 
you know dive into it and cover it in more detail sort of thing but uh yeah this was just recently in the this week i got to uh talk to some more people about it it's one of my my favorite things about the movie uh it and the um the sound through the the movie coming through the hotel door that we still haven't figured out <laughs> that, that ivan's like i don't know yeah yeah uh, uh, there was a short list uh, over the years it was things like the ecto siren which we're now uh, uh, you know we've heard bits and pieces about how that came together and why it sounds so unique um uh the balcony one and what was the the other one that Oh, and the the, the movie sound yeah, leaking the movie. through the door. These like little a, mysteries, like a uh, a Bob Burns or like somebody who just knows those films inside and out. I wonder if somebody like that would know. Like if they just heard that little clip and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, unknown maybe. world or whatever." Yeah, that's a real real good point. Actually, that's a real good one. Actually, you know, that's uh, Gilbert Godfrey's podcast. That's one we should posit to them. Yeah, because that's an, they're another oh, there group go. of guys that would know that stuff. I, I bet Gilbert would probably know. Honestly, he'd probably hear that and be like, "Oh yep. yeah, that that Gil- movie is that." <laughs> <laughs> I was I was explain. I had to uh, tweet that uh, Frank Santa Padre, his uh, his partner, going. Uh, you know how they say that uh, just the act of smiling, even if you force yourself to it, it activates all the triggers in your brain to make you feel better, like a little bit of serotonin. It's even better if you imitate uh, uh, Gilbert when he's really genuinely laughing, because he has his ha-ha-ha-ha, but if you get him going, it turns into a hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. He turns into the Joker. Like, he he turns into uh, what's his name from 66 Batman? Um, Uh, Cesar Romero. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, and he does Um, it. That's what made me think of it, was his Bob Burns uh, podcast Podcast where they're talking was, about Milton yeah. Burrow as he likes to ask every guest about Milton Burrow uh, and and things which we will not mention. But it got no. him laughing so hard that he so did his hard. tackle. Yeah, uh, we should shout out to that that particular episode because the Bob Burns one. He talked a little bit about doing the live action Filmation's Ghostbusters. He did. Yeah, he talked about working, which was in, cool. Which which leads uh, to the conversation about Milton Burrow. So I will tell it is it turns down <laughs> a, a crass if you're easily yeah, offended, you know. Uh, Yeah, we should throw that question out to them. Uh, Probably the guys at Monster Party. Monster Party. Those guys would probably know. Those guys might know. Um, This is this is our this is our mission statement, Chris. The Ghostbusters interdimensional crossrip will find out what that source audio is in that hallway, (laughs) and then we can rest. Then you can rest. It's a hard one. It's such a short clip. Even though we we can hear it quite clearly. Uh, the hive mind hasn't been able to figure it out. The hive mind has been able to hear it and come to some sort of agreement about what the lines are, but nobody knows. Can't figure it out. So no. yeah, we'll, we'll keep this, on it. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, that was my thought of the day. Was uh, I was thinking again about? I'm in that that period of time where I don't watch the movie constantly, but then when I do watch it, it tends to activate a bunch of stuff and I start pondering details and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, and there's these discussions, like the, the, the chats that you and I have, and then when we go out and we when we hang out with the franchises or like when we were at the trailer event and, and things like that, and we're talking with each other, there's everybody out there notices something different. It's cool to see everybody else's perspectives on things. Yeah, so. it's been a heavy week for that. Um, I listened to another podcast, My Favorite Murder. And they were talking about a, um, a serial arsonist in L.A. Wow. in the 80s. And they talked about they he was spotted 
and I don't think he was arrested at that point. Like they, or sure, but he uh, he set a studio on the Burbank Warner's lot on fire. Whoa! And they were talking about uh, some show that it ended up um, bumping off for a while because that was the the studio they were using for their show. And again, it triggered. Twig, 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 and triggered. It it triggered. Oh, Uh, it (laughs) spoonerisms, kids. Lock it up. It uh, it triggered uh, something in the back of my head. I seem to recall um, the big studio that they shot Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, apparently, according to the internet, the more you look at it, they're like, oh yeah, it was in eighteen different studios. But the main one, which I think was fifteen, I can't remember. Yeah, the Burbank Studios. Yeah, yeah, the Burbank Studio, the big one, the biggest one that was in LA, which was the only one that could accommodate the massive uh, temple. uh, set, yeah, rooftop temple set. I believe I read somewhere that after oh, this was after Ghostbusters was done, but yeah, something else went in there and it caught fire. And again, I'm sitting there going, because they're like, I wonder what show it was. I was like, is this the Ghostbusters studio? Because I this sounds oh. familiar to me. But all they had said is that it was it it burned mm. down. Whereas this other podcast years later is talking about a serial arsonist in L.A. that I had never heard of. Oh before. my god! Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. So it's one of those things where the nerd brain holds on to all these little facts, and every once in a while they clash together, and you get and you 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 find another facet to it. Yeah, but uh, well, that's interesting. Now I want to go look that up because I didn't. I thought that that studio that they shot on the on the Burbank lot is still there, but it could have been rebuilt. It could have been uh, uh, oh, it probably was salvaged. I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was. I think huh. everything. I think. Um, Short of studio fires back at the speaking of the the dawn of, of film and when <laughs> when those things burnt down they just yeah. built when the nitrate in the film whatever. would just explode yeah yeah but the Shoshana that, burn it down that era uh, they were doing the big metal framed ones and all that so even though they burnt out I'm pretty sure they've just stripped yeah. down yeah. And built back up again huh. there's not much to a studio. Uh, to be honest, no. it's, yeah, sound stages like, are uh, <clears throat> like warehouses. There's, you know, yeah, metal frame, uh, concrete floor, and uh, soundproofing sprayed all over the sides of things. A lot and of wooden catwalks above to hang all oh, the, yeah. the pipe awesome. and drape. But um, all right, so, well, that's, that's it. yeah, it's not, a, it's not a deep. No, no, I mean those little <laughs> anecdotes are cool. I love that kind of stuff. It's, it's not a deep thought. <laughs> <laughs> and now deep thoughts with Chris Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> what was the I read online somebody's like uh, uh, somebody was like uh, it was a text uh, talk and somebody's like you know yeah, what's a what's what's a what's one of your deepest fears somebody was like uh, that when I die no one will remember me and they're like man that's deep for me it was the Kool-Aid man but now you got me thinking like maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's a little ridiculous <laughs> Um, same thing. This is this is. There's nothing deep about it. But I, this is this is actually this has come up before. This is what why I remain. I'm not a prop building guy. I finally have a jumpsuit. Although, frankly, I've lost it in the house again. It's around here somewhere. Oh, no. So obviously, that tells you how, you know what kind of a you know a cosplay person I am, which is not very much. <laughs> that um, you've lost it. <laughs> Uh, I do collect, but I'm not uh, um, 
you know, I'm not big on certain things like the real Ghostbusters is not my thing. You know what I mean? But the one thing that I do love about Ghostbusters is the first movie and just dissecting everything about it. There's, I lose no joy in the movie itself. The, you know, the more I dig into it, like uncovering stuff just brings me an even greater joy. Like I was so thrilled the day I, I really like I was like the the chips that Venkman had behind him in the that was shot in L.A. But those but bag of chips the wise were chips. Yeah. the wise chips from the East Coast, and that that, that delighted me for months. Yeah. That the set dressers were that on point, and like I said, it's stuff that it's like it's like good filmmaking. If you if they've done it right, if you don't notice it, like you just accept it as that is absolutely correct, and you never think about it. And then later, I'm like going, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> oh, so. Man. Well, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, super cool. I mean, that's that's a cool type of fandom. It's you're take you're taking joy in the little things, man. That's what I like. That's 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 pretty cool. It's the little things. It's the little things. Well, uh, so before uh, before we sign off here, I'm going to leave you with a deep thought by Jack Handy. This happens oh. to be today's deep thought by Jack Handy, and it's it's maybe appropriate for things that are Ghostbusters related. He says, before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you are a mile away from them, and you have their shoes. <laughs> we'll leave you with that, everybody. See you next week. See you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. Hey, this could be one of my two favorite shows. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. I want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.